Hello, and welcome to In Search of Lost Focus, a podcast series by the Economist Intelligence Unit, exploring the role that focus plays in the modern working world. My name is Michael Gold, Managing Editor at the Economist Intelligence Unit, and I will be your host for this episode. In Search of Lost Focus is sponsored by Dropbox. We thank them for their support. Over the last few episodes, we have hosted conversations with experts who have done extensive research and thinking on how companies and individuals can build focus for themselves and their teams. In today's episode, we will be speaking with Dr. Gloria Mark, Professor of Informatics at the University of California, Irvine. Her primary research interest is in understanding the impact of digital media on people's lives, and she is best known for her work in studying people's multitasking, mood, and behavior while using digital media in real-world environments. She has published over 150 papers in the top journals and conferences in the fields of human-computer interactions and computer-supported cooperative work, and is the author of the book, Multitasking in the Digital Age. As the role of technology in life and work has grown immensely in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, we'll speak with Dr. Mark about how to define productivity and distractions and how technology is changing how we deal with them. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Mark. Oh, it's my pleasure. Before we dive into a deeper discussion about focus, I wanted to speak with you about what we mean when we talk about productive work and distractions. How would you define these two terms? So we can think about productivity in a macro sense, right? But we can also think about it in terms of personal productivity. And so the way that I refer to it is when you achieve what you plan to do, when you meet your work goals. So in my research, we've constructed a productivity measure that had the following dimensions. So first of all, how much did you accomplish today based on what you plan to accomplish? How efficient do you feel you were today in performing your work? How satisfied were you? How effectively did you do time management? And how would you evaluate the quality of the work you did? So these are measures that we've used in our work, and they correlate pretty highly with other productivity measures. And in a similar vein, what would you say is the difference between a break and a distraction or, say, unproductive time? So this is really a great question. So a break is intentional. And people use breaks to replenish resources or to make a social connection with other people. But distractions pull you away from your work. And there's two basic kinds of distractions. Though There's external distractions that come from some kind of external stimulus like a notification or phone call. But distractions can be instigated from internal sources like a thought or a memory. And then you have an urge to look something up on the internet or go to social media or check the news. And actually, one of the most surprising things in my research is that we found that people are nearly as likely to be distracted from an internal source as from an external source. In other words, people self-interrupt quite a bit. That's due to a number of things. It's due to the environment, but there's also conditioning. So if we look at patterns of external and internal distractions or interruptions over the day, we see that if external interruptions are high at certain periods and then they wane, What happens is really interesting, internal interruptions. 
start to kick in. It's as though people are conditioned or, or actually even determined to be interrupted. So, you know, being distracted is not just from some external source, but it also comes from something within people. So as a leading scholar in the field of focus and productivity, I'm sure you've been following all the recent studies examining the impacts of the work-from-home environment on worker productivity and the ability to focus during the COVID-19 pandemic. Could you tell us, from a researcher's perspective, about the studies you've seen that have been particularly compelling or interesting? And do you yourself have any upcoming research on this topic that you could tell us about? Sure. So we're seeing studies coming out showing COVID increases stress, specifically due to increased digital media use, increased social isolation, COVID negatively impacts well-being, and it increases sleep disturbances. And all of these affect productivity. So we know from past research that well-being is associated with productivity. The cause and effect is not so clear But we do know that if you reduce well-being, productivity goes down as well. So there was a large study that came out looking at the relationship of well-being and productivity during COVID. And it showed that as people are working from home, we're also finding that boredom is increasing. And boredom, in turn, is negatively related to productivity. So there's a lot of factors in play here that can have negative impacts on productivity. My own work is looking at long-term effects of working from home and its effects on well-being and attention focus. But I want to point out that it can take months for studies to appear in publication. So what we're seeing coming out right now, what's being published, are studies of early effects of COVID. So we need to stay tuned for studies looking at the longer-term effects of COVID, which we can expect to appear in, say, a few months from now. So if you were to maybe foreground or engage in a little crystal ball gazing about what effect do you think the COVID-19 pandemic and this whole new work-from-home environment has had on people's attention spans, uh, what would you say? So an interesting study showed that an increase in the use of digital media during the pandemic is associated with stress. Now, you know, when we think about what happens when we sit in front of our screens, people have a wealth of information available. And over the years, my work has measured, you know, what we're seeing in conjunction with screen computer usage and attention spans. And we're seeing that attention spans on devices keep getting shorter and shorter over the years. We we first started measuring this uh, in 2005, and we're seeing the attention spans getting shorter and shorter as we get to the present. And of course, you know, if you have access to digital media and you have access to all this information, we can also expect that people will switch their attention to, you know, every time people look at a different computer screen, it's a reasonable proxy for switching attention. And we know from research that at least currently people average about 48 seconds on average on any computer screen before switching. These studies were done with 
information workers in, you know, their real work environments. And so we see day in and day out that people are switching their attention quite rapidly. So let's now talk about COVID. So during COVID, you know, we are finding that people are spending more time on their devices. We can only expect that attention spans will get even more shorter. Why? Well, there's just simply a lot more opportunities for distraction. And you combine that with just simply more time on screens. We also know, and we found this in our research, that certain attentional states like boredom make people even more susceptible distractions. And I saw a recent study that showed that during COVID, boredom has increased. And so what we can infer is that with a higher incidence of boredom, more digital media use, more physical disruptions, potentially from people's physical environments at home, we should expect shorter attention spans. And we also know from lots of research that shorter attention spans are associated with higher stress. What are the challenges that have come from this new work-from-home environment? So in addition to this notion of the challenge of detaching and reattaching from work, a big challenge is social isolation from work colleagues. Now, when we use current platforms like Zoom, we have very tight transitions between meetings. And so I mentioned the importance of this kind of you know, icebreaking before and after meetings to help people bond. But there's also a, a repercussion of just having these meetings scheduled back to back because you're switching contexts radically, right? You've got your 1 p.m. meeting and then suddenly you switch to your 2 p.m. meeting. You know, in a face-to-face -face environment, we can walk to different conference rooms, or then we might come back to our office and, and have a desktop conferencing session. But there's usually transitions between meetings. Those transitions, those are being removed. Another challenge is that there's a lack of awareness of what our colleagues are doing. In the workplace, you get a sense of what your colleagues are working on. Are they busy? Can they be interrupted? Are they available for a social connection? We don't have that kind of awareness of what people are doing. And that negatively affects work. And another challenge, and, and I did talk about stress, but I really want to highlight that. There really is increased stress in our work-from-home environment. Some studies show that there's higher work-family conflict because people are spending more time at home. And another source of stress is just spending too much time on digital media. And we know from research, including my own, that there's a correlation. The more time you spend on digital media, the more stressed people are. But unfortunately, people are quite dependent on digital media to communicate with others, not just work colleagues, but also friends and family. But being in front of a screen, in front of your device, leads people to just constantly checking different kinds of information sources. So it's very hard to stay focused. 
if you've got, you know, you're in a huge candy store, which is the whole internet that you can, you know, pick and choose whatever you want, whenever you like. And that creates a challenge. Are there any benefits that this work from home environment has conferred then to people's attention spans or ability to focus? So there's less commute time or no commute time for many information workers. Commuting is a known source of stress. So that aspect of stress is reduced or eliminated. Another benefit we're seeing is more flexibility in work schedules. Not for everybody, but for quite a few people. Another benefit is people have more time to spend with their family. And last, there's a benefit for the environment. So we're seeing the carbon footprint reduced due to less travel. Are we seeing any of these benefits show up specifically with regard to attention span? The jury is still out on that. The short answer is we don't know. So because, and the reason I say we don't know is because there's so many things to put into the equation. So there are a number of new factors that have arisen as a result of working at home during COVID, like simply more time on screens, which we would expect to lead to shorter attention spans. So it's not clear that these other benefits can counteract these, these other aspects that we're seeing of working from home. So we mentioned the impact of technology on people's ability to engage in focused work. It seems, though, that in the current work-from-home environment, there's really no escaping it. Email has replaced in-person interactions, Zoom calls have replaced conference meetings, and Slack messages have replaced office chatting. So now that limiting technology does not seem like an option anymore, what are the strategies that people can take to you know, remain focused and, and try to increase their attention spans that seem to be under strain in this new environment? Okay, so um, first of all, it's important to take breaks strategically. So we found in our research that there are individual differences in the ability to stay on task. So actually people, there are personality differences. So people who score high in the personality trait of conscientiousness which, which may seem like a good thing at work, actually can be a warning sign for people who are working at home. Because we found in studies in the workplace that highly conscientious people tend to not take breaks. They tend to just work straight through, and this can lead to burnout. So this is something that certain individuals have to be very much aware of. A 20-minute walk in nature has been shown to have significant effects in reducing stress and promoting creativity. So we did a study. We had people taking a 20-minute walk in nature, and we found it led to significantly higher divergent thinking, which is creativity. And other studies as well have shown the benefits of taking a walk in nature in helping people de-stress and, and focus better. Another thing is we found in our research that people have natural rhythms of when they're focused. So we see for most people, on average, their peak focus time is around 11 a.m. late morning and also about 
3 p.m. mid-afternoon. And so people can design work around their own personal rhythms. So people can discover what your own personal rhythm is for peak focus so that people can arrange to do focused work. You do hard work when you're at your peak, right? For most people, again, it could be late morning, mid-afternoon, but not for everyone. But also take time in the morning to ramp up to being focused. So be kind to yourself. Don't get on your devices and, you know, be ready to go full force in being focused, but ease into a state of focus. And last, and this research is going to sound counterintuitive, but we looked at different kinds of attentional states that people have in the workplace. And it turns out that when people are doing mindless rote activity, that's when people are the happiest. On the other hand, when people are doing focused work, it can be strenuous and it's associated with stress. So it's really important to vary tasks, right? You, you can't lift weights all day, right? You'll get burned out. You need a break. And in the same way, you can't do focused work all day without breaks. So you can combine road work with harder focused work, you'll be happier. But here's the challenge. The challenge is to be able to break out of road activity, right? It's fun to do things like doing crossword puzzles or playing games online, but you really have to set limits and you need some kind of escape hatch, right? To be able to get out of road activity and get back into doing focused work. And could you share maybe some of your own strategies for maintaining focus in this new working reality? Okay, so again, work breaks are really important. So make sure to take regular work breaks. It's also important to disconnect from media from time to time. And by disconnecting means really disconnecting. It's not just taking a break to get onto social media or getting onto a news site. Right? This can bring us into a rabbit hole where it's really hard to pull out. We're working at home and people have personal responsibilities in their home lives as well as their work lives. So it's really important to create a clear separation of boundaries between work and home life. People have to be able to detach from work and also be able to reattach from work. And if you have these clear boundaries, it makes it easier to be able to, to do this detachment and reattachment. The physical work environment is important. So one way to detach from work, and it's not possible for everyone, but if you are able to separate physically and have a physical workspace that's separate from others in the home, then this would be ideal. Another thing is to change the work schedule, to work at times when it's quiet at home. So, you know, this might be after the kids have gone to bed. Well before COVID, when I had kids at home, I would save my hard work, uh, my really focused work time for after when the kids were in bed, because then I knew I had a stretch of time 
when I could really focus and I, you know, was a good chance that I wouldn't be interrupted. And then last, leave personal time for yourself. And that means personal time without a screen. So if you can, be with others. Social interaction is extremely important. Meditate, read a book, listen to an audiobook, exercise. I'm a big devotee to exercise. In fact, I'm so devoted, I actually put it into my daily schedule. And this, this can make a significant difference. So your previous research has covered the difference in the ability to focus and adapt to distractions between males and females and between those of different age groups. Could you maybe discuss anything that you're seeing in terms of differences in gender and differences in age in terms of focus and attention spans in this new working reality? Yes, so we are finding differences. So first, with respect to women, So some research suggests that there's more of a burden on women in working at home during COVID. So a recent large-scale survey came out, and it showed that among couples who work at home, women were expected to spend more time in child care. And they also reported lower productivity and lower job satisfaction. And this is what's interesting. Before the pandemic, there were no gender differences. Another study showed that women have reduced their work hours, and the gender gap in work hours has grown between 20 and 50 percent, and that's alarming. So the pandemic affects women in the workforce disproportionately. We're also seeing differences in effects in different age groups. And a recent study showed that there's a high-risk factor for loneliness for being a young person. And other studies show young people in particular experience high stress and sleep disturbances like insomnia. Young people who are single may have more social isolation. They're not getting the social interaction from the workplace that they would have had prior to COVID. And I want to point out that we were on Zoom meetings and you might think, yes, we have social interaction with other people using video conferencing platforms. But actually, you know, we don't have this time before and after meetings to do this kind of social chit-chat that can create social bonding. So, you know, people are missing out on that. Also, you know, with respect to younger people, there's another study that shows that younger people experience the highest job insecurity And they worry the most about the future. And also, young people might have more child care responsibilities to juggle with work. So younger age groups are disproportionately affected in the workplace, in the workforce. And of course, older individuals also are affected because they're at higher risk for getting COVID. So we are seeing age differences of effects from COVID and working from home. So you mentioned the inability for younger workers to feel connected to their colleagues, which, you know, can lead to, you know, a broader sense of disconnection from their companies. So what can companies do and particularly what how can company leadership help employees manage this stress and, you know, the damage to their attention span that is coming from this new work from home environment? Mm -hmm. So organizations 
should allow flexible work schedules to work around home responsibilities. For example, a number of people have to teach children because children are not at school. And I also want to point out that when people are working in teams, we're seeing diversity in schedules among team members. So, you know, one person might have childcare responsibilities or they're taking care of, say, aging parents. And that puts them on a very different kind of schedule than another person on their team that might not have childcare responsibilities or might not be teaching their children at home. If possible, organizations should allow employees to reduce work hours, and they also can offer training sessions on how to work from home effectively, and also in particular, how to do remote work, how to conduct effective remote interaction. You know, a a while ago, I did studies of uh, teams who engaged in remote interaction, And the most successful team I ever saw who did that had a specific role in the team who was a remote team facilitator. It was not like a regular team facilitator, but this was someone who was very attentive to people who were, you know, remote. There were some people who were meeting face-to-face. There were other people who were calling in. That person knew everyone's expertise on the team. This person directed questions to the right individuals, and they also acted as a technology facilitator to make sure that people were using the technology effective. So also another thing that organizations can do is organize employees, employee social groups, like coffee hours for informal social interaction. In other words, this is to make up for the lack of social interaction that employees are not getting in the workplace. And another thing organizations can do is offer well-being programs, such as mindfulness-based stress reduction, or programs that can help people reduce stress through exercise, through yoga, or similar kinds of activities. How do you think some of these new technology tools have been able to facilitate social interaction? Do you think they've been doing a good job? And do you, you know, how do you think it compares to, say, the real thing? Well, face-to-face interaction is, is really the gold standard. So, you know, if we would be in a room and I would be talking to you or I would be talking to, to an audience, I see everybody's facial expressions and I can adapt my presentation based on the feedback that I'm seeing, based on the the visual facial expressions that I'm seeing. Video conferencing tools, they constrain us in our interactions. I will say that, you know, compared to early video conferencing systems, you know, current video conferencing platforms are much more reliable. They're much better than they used to be. But still, you know, Our interactions are constrained because we're seeing these little postage size stamp images of people. We may not be able to see everybody on the screen. We're missing out on a lot of nonverbal information. 
And in communication, a lot of information is communicated nonverbally, for example, through gestures. And we're just not seeing that, right? We're missing out on that. So I do think that new video conferencing platforms will be developed. There's a really big opportunity here, but they need to be developed that enable more naturalistic interaction. This can help combat social isolation, can promote better interaction, presentations will be more effective, and it can also promote social bonding like in the same way that we experience in face-to-face environments. And finally, what do you think the long-term impacts of the pandemic and the mass shift to work from home will be on the working environment and the ability to focus for knowledge workers? So I believe that remote work will become more permanent in a lot of ways. Many organizations have already committed to extending remote work, and some reports are uh, forecasting that organizations will make quite a bit of work remote permanently. You know, remote work offers benefits to organizations. They save money on travel. It reduces the carbon footprint. You know, I work in a university, and we're doing remote teaching, and we might also see universities increasing the range of remote instruction. But also remote work, with it comes the ability to increase the talent pool, because people can be recruited from anywhere. So geographical distance won't be a constraint anymore. So a person can live in New Mexico and work in Chicago. So I do think that the long-term impacts of the pandemic is making organizations realize the benefits of remote work. Well, thank you so much for your thoughts, Dr. Mark. It was really great to speak with you. It's my great pleasure. That concludes our final episode of In Search of Lost Focus. If you've enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out our website, lostfocus.eiu.com, where you can hear all of our podcasts in this series and read all our research findings. Thanks again to Dropbox, our sponsor for this series, and thank you for listening.